The Pinball Network is online. Launching The Pinball Show. Pinball is a game of skill. For some, it's a passion and a lifestyle. It's time for The Pinball Show. It's pinball with personality. Welcome to the Pinball Show interview series. I'm your host, Matt Morrison. I was done editing this episode some time ago, and I didn't really know what to do with it. The day I found out Mark Mendeltort had passed away, I had placed an online order the night before, and I would called to check on a park that there was no availability on the website for. I was in the middle of fixing a Radical that had been a park for like seven or eight years. After the call, it kind of hit me. I knew something was off. There was more of a somber tone on the other end of the line. Of course, later that day, I found out that Mark, who had helped us all fix so many games, had passed away. The one thing I kept thinking about was a video clip I saw of Mark one time that kind of perfectly summarized, I think, everything that makes pinball so special. And here it goes. Pinball is a special entertainment device. It's kinetic art. It's really not a toy or a game. It's really a medium. And as such, it's open to endless creative talents by the collaborative efforts of the designers and engineers that make them. We all know it takes a talented team to design and build a pinball machine. And Mark surrounded himself with smart, passionate, and talented people as well. I sat down with Crystal Gimnick and Kyle Spiteri about their roles at Marco. I think listening back to this episode and Jeff Teolis' pinball profile episode about Mark gives a glimpse into the legacy, team, and bright future he had envisioned. So without further ado, this one's for you, Mark. Welcome to the Pinball Show interview series. I'm your host, Matt Morrison, and today I've got a special treat. I'm really excited about this one because I'm always interviewing designers or engineers and artists and things like that, guys that worked on the game, but these these guys are super fun. We see them at the shows all the time, and I really wanted to talk to somebody on the parts end of the business. So today I've got Crystal Gimnick and Kyle Spiteri with us. Say hello, guys, and kind of go over your roles at Marco. Hello, guys. My name is Crystal Gimnick. I am a customer service representative and I have my hands in many other projects as well. Mostly I just assist customers on the phone, help them buy the right thing. If they have questions about parts, I can help them out, could do like can do measurements and stuff like that. Um go to shows, help set up the gigantic pyramid and uh, <laughs> you know, shake hands, kiss babies, mm-hmm. the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, you're kind of like the pinball octopus cuz you kind of do everything, everything. We I- all kind of do everything. My name's Kyle Spiteri. I also work at Marco with Crystal and I, what's my email thing say? Product manager. I think that's what I do. Or you say problem creator, I think. Oh, I'm a problem creation specialist. (laughs) Um, (laughs) No, uh, I I work in product management, trying to keep things in stock. Uh, Mostly I concentrate on getting new parts made, uh, working with suppliers in the U.S. and abroad uh, to get parts recreated for your pinball machines. So. Awesome. Yeah. And, you know, that's the thing about you guys. I want to have you on because we kind of know a cursory of what you do. But as you say, you all wear like multiple hats. And so like what's some of the other stuff that when you're not assisting customers on the phone, Crystal, that you kind of get into and and at the shows, you guys are carrying this stuff everywhere. So. Yeah. So so right now I've got a project where I am taking a whole bunch of parts from the Batman 66 catalog and I'm making sure that we have them in the system. Um, if they if they don't exist in the system, I've been trying to make part numbers for them, which is 
a long process, surprisingly. I've been doing that. I just recently finished uploading a bunch of old Wicco parts catalogs because we have this really awesome OCR scanner and uh, you can essentially just scan each page and then make it, you know, searchable uh, as like a PDF. So we had some stuff. It was from like 1963 to 1970. So I was, I was scanning all those in. And so those are a couple of projects that I've been working on. Awesome. Kyle, you're, you're doing Pentec Live and I, you know, we got episode 70 coming up here pretty soon. Really? Um, oh gosh. I was going through the archives and I was like, well, what episode is he up to? And we're going to dive more into Pentech Live here in a second. But I actually just placed an order with you guys last night and I always do the same thing, probably every three or four orders with Marco. I wake up the next morning after I was up all night, like trying to put all these parts in a basket because I got to go repair some games. And oh shit, the next morning I was like, I forgot like five things, you know, that I may <laughs> need. And so I call because I'm like, I wonder if I could get it in the same shipment. Ashley may have helped me. I can't remember. Actually, I, I comboed that order, Matt. It was so funny because I saw it. I saw the two <laughs> orders and I was like, Matt, I'm going to talk to him tonight. <laughs> and she was like, don't worry. Uh, this happens constantly. So yeah. you're not the only dummy that does this. So <laughs> and speaking of bringing stuff out of the back catalog, Kyle, I noticed a part that I had a hard time finding for a while was the System 11 diverter cam, like on Earthshaker and Police Force for the, the ramp diverter. It looked like you guys had that again. The plastic one? Yeah, the little plastic mm-hmm. cam. Yeah, yeah I so found- that's cool. I found some of those and some of those plastic things we've been experimenting with 3D printing also things that don't take like a massive like brunt of force. But you'd be surprised um, how well 3D printing can hold up to pinball sometimes. For example, uh, I had we had the Star Wars Data East Star Wars, like the big target under the Death Star 3D printed. And I prototyped it at one of the arcades down here. And man, it been playing strong ever since the game broke around the target in fact but it didn't it didn't shatter immediately like i thought it would so you know we're trying and your shipping department man they are on the spot i mean it's like i'm closed so i get stuff really quick anyway but i mean it's like <laughs> the next morning i mean within like two or three hours it's like here's your shipping notification boom it's gone it's like that's amazing how many people are under the roof there at marco total um Gosh, Less I don't know. Less than 25. I know more than 15 because when I started, there was 15 and that was not a lot. Like it wasn't huge. Yeah, it's a, it's actually a lot less than you'd think it would be. Yeah. Um, it, yeah, I would have guessed double that. Yeah. It's uh, it's funny though, because some people think it's like, there's like four people that work at Marco, like the same four people they see at pinball shows, but there's actually, <laughs> there's a lot going on in the background, but it, we can do a lot with you know, just a few people, you know, Crystal's been scanning and working on projects. And every time a printer breaks, I have to get up and try to get the printers working again. So it's kind of like, you know, everyone wears every hat, which is fun. You know, everyone's really down in the trenches all the time. Yeah, we always try and help each other out. Another really great thing about like you're talking about the shipping department and how they're on the ball, even though a lot of the people who work in the warehouse are not necessarily pinheads or not super familiar with pinball, they've gotten so experienced in knowing what to look for as far as parts (laughs) are concerned. So like, you know, they'll look at the picture of the of the part that's on the product page and then they'll pick it and they'll say, well, wait a minute, this doesn't look right. This isn't, you know, the same shade of red or it's missing a a component. And they've gotten really good at, at sort of eyeballing that stuff. Like, for instance, today, one of our shippers called me into into the warehouse. He said, Crystal, this glass is it's got a like a chip in it. It was a, you know, playfield glass. And I said, that's not that's not good because if that if even the smallest thing happens in shipping, that glass is going to be, you know, reduced to millions yeah. of tiny, tiny pieces. Pebbles. So the fact that he knew that and he was looking for it, it just really speaks to, you know, the standards that we've set. 
even when I've had a mistake on an order, just something like one thing left out, it was like, boom, like they were like, sorry about that. We've got you fixed up, you know, here you go. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like it's the service for that many people under that roof to, to be able to pull all that off is pretty impressive. And you guys are, are doing a little bit of everything in the building. Is it hard when you guys go to shows like to pull that staff out? <laughs> yes. Yeah, it causes, it causes a little it's, bit of, yeah, it can cause, it causes waves, but you know, the thing is, is like, it's hard to replace the interactions you have at shows because you have like, look, we met at Southern fried. Uh, there's a customer that has been calling one of our guys, Steve for, you know, close to a decade now. And they've talked on the phone for a, a decade and they finally met in person at the Southern fried show. And, you know, it's different when you can put faces to the people you work with and it's, you know, it's, it's pretty special. It's neat to be able to, have very passionate customers in being in an industry that is so passion driven, right? You know, it's, there's always something happy to talk about, fun to meet new people. And so often they really look forward to seeing us, which to me, like, I mean, maybe it's just imposter syndrome, but I'm like, why? (laughs) (laughs) I'm very, uh, this is the first podcast I've ever been on. You're a famous podcaster. I'm kind of a famous Uh, podcaster, I guess. I don't know. But, but yeah, it's tough, you know, because we are on such a limited staff, right? And it's not like, you know, you might see the glamorous side of going to pinball shows, but man, it is a lot of work. Lots of work. We have to set up that whole booth. Uh, We don't just get to sit there and drink and play pinball, even though it might look like that's what we're doing. We are actually working. uh, (laughs) Yeah. But no, the, yeah, the, the whole time I was at Southern Fried, I mean, you guys didn't really have a minute to spare. I mean, it was like in the evenings, you're like, I, you know, you need your downtime after doing all the setup and, and doing all the promotional shoots and stuff. I mean, I yeah. don't know that I saw either of you play a game. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think I played like two games of Taxi and I played uh, what was that big one? The big fat, the big wide body that you were like, oh, this is such a dumb game, but it's so fun. It wasn't Scorpion. It was something else. And Brian, no. was well, it anyways, was, anyways, you know what? Honestly, I've been to pinball show. I bet the first pinball show I ever went to is in 2009. I've been to I, I've played enough pinball for many lifetimes. I, now I have a lot more fun meeting people like you and meeting mm-hmm. the other people that are into this ridiculous game that we all love so much. Right. Like, right. It's so much fun to talk and meet people. Many times as I'd love to sit there and play uh, Gottlieb Hot Shots over and over and over and over again, meeting the person that owns it and why they brought Hot Shots to a pinball show. That's what I want to yeah. learn. <laughs> I think even before, and I've said it like for, for a long time, even before I started working for Mirko and I would go to shows just as like a regular person, I, I don't remember playing a lot of pinball mm-hmm. at most of the shows. It was always like the people that I was talking to. And, and that's, I mean, one of the best parts of going to shows is the conversations that you have and the, and the things that you learn and um, it kind of sounds a little bit cliche, but like the networking that can happen there too mm. is is really important and and really awesome. And um, yeah, I think it's something that both Kyle and I really value a lot when it comes to shows. Yeah, no, I, I think Kyle, you made a good point there that like you've you've played so much pinball that at, at some point it's like you've either played a lot of these games to death or you've owned them maybe in the past. And and I, I think at Southern Fried that that show in particular, I did more just hanging out with people than I did probably playing. I mean, I, I played Halloween cause it was new and some of, you know, yeah. some of that stuff, but I'm really fortunate to have kind of come in a little bit earlier when you could, you know, pick up the system 11s and stuff like that a little cheaper and uh, experience all that. And I've been lucky to 
have a lot of the newer Sterns, you know, I can't keep them all. So I have to cycle through them. But so when I go to a show, it's like, yeah, I've played all these and I can, well, I can just hang out with friends. And I think all three of us are pretty lucky too, you know, cause like I, I'm from the San Francisco Bay area, not only working for a, you know, pinball distributor for years, every single game you'd ever want to play is on location somewhere. Crystal is from Chicago. She's played everything. <laughs> You're from Asheville. There's pinball there. You know, you, you've also owned a lot of games, you know, so we've all, I'm not saying it's not fun to play pinball, but, uh, you know, I, I don't get to have all of my pinball friends at my house every day. So for that weekend, I'd rather hang out with people and, you know, laugh and drink and the thrill is gone. <laughs> no, uh, it's a different thrill. It's a different you, thrill. You, yeah, that's you, you saw Godzilla with everyone else and you were like, oh, man, I can't wait to play that. Oh, I mean, come yeah. On. Come on. <laughs> so, Crystal, before we jump over to, to Pentec with Kyle, when are we going to get more plum? I mean, every time I do one of these interview episodes, I get emails like, yeah, Matt, that that was OK. You talking to John Yowsey or, you know, um, Mike Benacore <laughs> or whatever. Who cares? Where's where's Crystal and the plum at? And I'm like, guys, I don't know. I, I, I'm not going to bother. She's busy. OK, what's no going asks, on? No one asks you that. Matt. I'll, I'll forward them over right after I'll forward them over right after okay, this. Send me screenshots. I, yeah. I, I, OK, I fabricated all of it. It's all a lie. But um. Um, we we I, need you back on TPN. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, I know. Um, I'm, I'm not really sure what's going to happen. I, I, you know, it kind of uh, sort of went on a hiatus because of, of because of COVID and and the limited shows that I was able to go to because I did want to make it very show exclusive. Oh, gotcha. Um, and and you know, I have uh, a lot of work that I've been doing and and all of this stuff, but. Um, the listeners of my show, I've, I moved and started a new job and everything, and they're going to give me a lot of grief for the big delay in my episodes. So don't feel sure. that. It's uh, yeah. <laughs> we yeah. all have lives outside of of doing podcasts and, and different pinball stuff. Absolutely. Well, and I, I have other plans to do some other stuff. I, I want to get started. I've been like thinking about this homebrew project for a really long time, and I finally got a, a cabinet f- from Allentown recently, and I'm gonna try and gut it and you know paint it and get started on this thing we're actually staring at it right now (laughs) it's in the studio oh wow Uh, yeah so so i need to get started on that and i want to document that process so so that might end up being a sort of transition from the plum into into something different that i'm doing but cool um, yeah yeah i can't wait to see it yeah not to say that the plum is dead but it's definitely on a on an indefinite hiatus all right, Kyle, Pentec Live. This is something I wanted to really touch on because I think it's a wealth of knowledge that, you know, when I came into the hobby, there was the old like pen wiki files that the guy made. That's a great resource, phenomenal. And that helped me learn, you know, some of the little idiosyncrasies of, of WPC and System 11 and stuff like that. And but Pentec is, is amazing because, I mean, you're going EM, you're going Older Valley, you know, WPC, you're doing a little bit of everything. What's that been like? It's It's been fun. I mean, it was born out of pandemic lockdown, right? Right. Emoto and I have always talked about doing some sort of instructional series. And I'll be honest, I feel like a live stream is not like the best way to do it, but it was absolutely the most convenient way to do it. Sure. You know, kind of the same thing. When I got my first pinball game in 2007... I mean, I had RGP, the Google group, Rec Games, Pinball, for people unfamiliar. That led me to meet people in my local community, which also helped me. I had Clay's website, Clay Harrell's wonderful website, which taught me so much. And what we wanted to try to do is like, I wanted to try to help people 
with what I wish I had when I started to learn to try to have to fix my own pinball problems, right? Sure. So it's been really exciting. I just enjoy it. It's the highlight of my week, you know, <laughs> being able to teach people and show people, you know, not necessarily the correct way to do it, but the way that I do it. No, I mean, it, you know, it shows that these machines are really complex and and even somebody that has been working on them for years still finds some things that are just, you know, it's tricky. Sometimes the problem's really intermittent and, you know, no greater example. This thing blew my mind because I, I haven't worked on many EMs whatsoever. The magnetized coal stop on that, that score reel. I mean, Oh, on Jack in the box. Yes. That, that is that thing that totally threw me for a loop too, because everything that that game was doing told me something different. There's always something new to learn, right? That's the thing that I really love about messing with pinball games, right? There's always a new thing to learn. There's always a new way something can fail. Electromechanical games are definitely my current passion. I really like the old stuff a lot. The beauty and simplicity, um, you know, of the way they work. They're, they're complicated machines, but man, they're so much fun. It's so rewarding to fix EMs. But that's the thing is like, you know, I always wanted to instill confidence in people because... They are scary and intimidating boxes full of things that you don't understand. And if you're not confident to open it up and put your hands all over it, you're never going to get in there and work on it. And I'm trying to show people that they aren't Tiffany eggs. You can't <laughs> break them just by bumping them. You know, they're, they're tough pieces of machinery. And don't be afraid to get in there because no matter what you do, you can fix it, right? Yeah, that's a great point. And I'll share a story that, that happened over Christmas. And I've got a Twilight Zone and I was... I was in a hurry. It hadn't, it, the game wasn't like dirty. It has been in my house for the last like five years or whatever. And, but I wanted to shop it out. It'd been a while and I was going to throw some, you know, some like Titans on it and, and some stuff like that, some Silicon rings and family was coming back for Christmas. And I was like, Oh, I got to get this thing back together. <laughs> I got in a hurry and on the power field, the two connectors are interchangeable and one are for your optos and one are for your magnets. Oh, <laughs> and <laughs> let's just say I plugged them in the wrong spot. And yeah. Those optos, uh, they, they blew pretty quick. So, um, yeah, you never, but you always remember those things and you, that, that, that taught you multiple lessons, right? I think it was like right when I started working for, it might've been right when I started working at the Pacific Pinball Museum, which was my first full-time pinball employment. But they, uh, I, I was setting up a firepower and there's two like 40 something pin rectangle connectors in the back that connect the play field to the head and the head to the cabinet, whatever. They're different. One of them is black and the other one is nylon. Me not paying attention. I plugged the black one to the nylon one, the nylon one into the black one. <laughs> I sent, I sent uh, 40 volts to things that were supposed to get like five volts. Oh. And I made, I made a real big mess, but I learned a lot that day. <laughs> yeah. right. Yeah. It, and you make a good point. Like somebody told me once that there, there's a cost to an education mm -hmm. and, yeah. and, and my cost was, well, once again, even though I've, I've been doing it a little while, not as long as, as you, you know, fixing stuff up on these, on the pins, but I bought an F14, like super cheap one time. And the nice. board was like covered in acid and people are like, just put another board in. And I was like, no, nah, no, nah, like, let me see if I can bring it back. Like, you know, because that would be way more fulfilling. Now, granted, I spent mm -hmm. way too much money on a game at the time that was only worth like 1200 bucks. Right. I probably spent 12. $1,200 like fixing it up, you know, yeah. like rebuilding everything, pulling the play field and like inserts. And, but I wanted to see how it was done. And, you know, even though I spent that money, it, it was rewarding. And I learned a ton about that, that system. 
But the nice thing about the Pentex series is that a lot of the mistakes that I made and probably you've made, if you'll watch some of these videos, you will you will sidestep some of them. You're probably still going to make some, but it's it's a great series for for people that are starting out learning. <laughs> I'm glad. Yeah, it's been fun. Like I said, like live stream might not be the most like conduce or the best way to like convey a brain dump, but a lot of people that watch it, they only they do watch listen to the audio, and then if they hear something that piques their interest, you know, while yeah. they're working or something, you know, they'll they'll come back and watch the video or something. So I'm just I can't believe that people will tune in to watch me blabble about pinball for two hours every week. So if oh, any of you listen, thank you. It's <laughs> yeah, it's great, and I tell you what, the the archive feed is is awesome because maybe you don't have time to sit for the two hours, but it's, it's entertaining regardless, but it's a button down there to slide. If maybe you have that game or have had that problem or a similar system game with that problem, you know, it's okay to, to speed along a little bit to see where you're at in the process and to get to, you know, either that hard result that took you some time to figure out or, you know, to the, the maybe something you haven't done before in a flipper rebuild, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's a great resource. And something you said a minute ago was, you like to watch people do things because they may do it a little differently. That was the the biggest thing from watching you. I was like, you know what? I never thought about taking that particular thing apart that way. And that's hmm. just another tool in my arsenal. When I go to do something, I'm like, you know, Kyle did it that way. I'm going to try hmm. that, you know, and, and see if it's a little bit easier. That's a, uh, that's another good thing. I think that uh, is great about the real time streaming, which is that there's a dialogue that happens and, mm. and there will be a dialogue. Like uh, somebody will be in the stream and they'll, you know, make a comment or ask Kyle a question and he'll like, I've seen it where he'll be like, Oh, well, that's a really good question. And it's not something that you would have if you were just recording it, you know? Yeah, in for studio. sure. Yeah, that's a good point. And I think that's the funnest part is the audience interaction and stuff too. And Emoto's interaction too, because Emoto asks good questions too. Yeah, no, Emoto's the greatest student. I mean, she should be (laughs) an expert now. She's been doing this for 70 (laughs) episodes. But yeah, no, it's, you know, my background is in, you know, service calls and stuff. So you have to learn to do things the most efficient, but also the most, uh, you know, with the most positive outcome at the end. Because if I'm, you know, charging someone by the hour, I only have so many hours to go work on pinball machines. So if I can squeeze two or three service calls into a day, I have to learn to do things quick and efficient. And But, you know, at the same time, that's it's it gives you a different outlook on working on pinball games, right? Because to, to me, it's a job, but it's also cathartic. To a lot of people, it's just a hobby and cathartic. So I have a, a very rigid approach to it sometimes, but sure. I'm trying to break that. So. No, no, it's under anytime you've you've done something for a while, like I've done auto repair for years and things like that. Mm-hmm. It's 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 one of those things where people are like, Oh, it's it's so great, you know, looking at this this great car, like, you know, you might have something rare in the bay that day, like a DeLorean or like a Ferrari or <laughs> oh, something. A DeLorean. Yes. And, and, people, and people are like, Oh my god, look at that. And I'm like, Yeah, whatever, it's just a car. <laughs> you know, yep, like, it's just a car. You no, know, I know. That's the thing. It's like that's the reason like why I don't buy a lot of pinball games anymore because I don't need to own a theater of magic because I work on them all the time. Mm-hmm. I don't ever right. need to own an Adams family. I don't ever need to own any game because I will go play it sometime when I go fix it at someone's house. Right. So, you know, it's yeah. just, yeah, it's just all pinball to me, but no, it's. Yeah, no, it, you know, there's certain themes and I think certain games that as, as I've been in the hobby longer, I'm like, you know what? I think that's one I'll keep. Or like, that's one that I, you know, that like that happens just every so often because people are like, Matt, you sell every game after like three, four months. And I'm like, <laughs> well, I, well, I've beat it. Like, you know, and it's not, yeah, I don't need it anymore. <laughs> yeah. I mean, these things take up a lot of room. They cost a lot of money and it's like, and which we're going to talk about in a little bit, they cost even more <laughs> now, but mm-hmm. 
it has to check every box and for sure. So that that's just my take on it. I, I recently put some games on location, newer Stearns. People covet them. And I understand if you've got an LE game and it's your theme, you don't want people to bang around on it. But for me, I'm like, I don't care anymore. <laughs> like just <laughs> I'll let the public smash this. I mean, God forbid they smash the glass, but you know, like I, yeah. if it gets some wear, some tear, like I'm going to fix it and it, it, it'll be fine. But you know, again, it's like what I always try to stress to people, especially people that maybe they're newer to pinball and they, you know, they still see it as a precious object and there's still commercial pieces of equipment that are designed and were designed to be put into a bar or a pizza joint or somewhere and be left alone for three weeks at a time to make quarters. Right. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I started operating games out of necessity because I ran out of room uh, to have 23 pinball machines in a 900 square foot house. So but, you know, at the same time, I'd rather have people enjoy them than them just sit in my living room, you know. So all the wear and tear or whatever that happens to the game, every time I go to a location and see people genuinely enjoying my plywood boxes full of magic, it makes me really <laughs> happy. So, Yeah, that's that's almost another point of gratification outside of, of ownership. Actually, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spring something on you here. I'm going to play a game real quick because you guys oh. are parts, parts pros and oh, service gosh. pros. This uh, is going to be, this is going to be great. You guys can, <laughs> you guys can actually, I'm, I'm going to read some part numbers. Let's see if Crystal can guess oh, the God. part. Oh, and then Kyle can say, what am I fixing with those parts? What am I fixing um, with those parts? Okay. Yeah, okay. okay. We can try okay. this. We can try it. Now, if you need to use the catalog, cause they are just numbers right now. Uh, <laughs> I, I would understand because that's a little insane, but here we go. All right, here we go. Uh, part number 0905020. That's a coil. Bam! Coil. Bam. Bam. All right. 30 ND. That's no diode. Yes. So that's a stern. That's probably a stern coil. I think it's a flipper oh. coil, a 5020. Yeah. 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 Okay. Okay. See, I'm going <laughs> to confirm it. This is awesome. But you got it right. This is great. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, stern flipper coil, no diode. So we know it's a, a newer, somewhat newer stern. How about a one eight zero? It's a five, switch. Oh boy! Yeah, one one nine zero two. See, I think both of us are going to be really good at identifying like the precursory numbers. Yeah, but awesome. Like, yeah, yeah. But like, what it does? But what it does? Sure. Okay. Yeah, exactly. So 090 in stern ease is coils. Coil, one eight zero switches. Five thirty five or metal assembly. But usually, yeah. We were talking about this the other day. Yeah. Actually, yeah. <laughs> we were joking about it. Put the one eight zero the switch on the back burner real quick. We're gonna jump to this number, and then you're gonna put the <laughs> coil and this together. And Kyle's gonna tell me what I'm fixing here. Five one five zero one seven four zero zero. Five one five zero one seven four zero zero. What the? F oh, really? Oh, oh, oh! You're you're working on a um. How many LEDs is on that? Two. So you're working on a uh, a more modern uh, Stern. Well, modern being like Metallica era Stern truck. Oh, got the game. Yeah. You nailed the game. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Okay. okay. We get to keep our jobs, I Detective suppose. Detective objects are multiple balls being served or continuously kicking ball shooters. No kidding. I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. That's new yeah. to me. So the switch, the previous switch on, on this particular uh, trough setup of Stern uh, are the rollovers on the earlier portions. Then at the end, they Got run it. this opto setup. Now, I haven't been to the game yet, but I'm trying to get all the parts I could need oh, yeah, to fix no. the game. Oh, yeah, no. Always, always show up with those things because it's real, real commonplace that they're bad. You can yeah. still get those LEDs. You can still get the, um, the, the opto diodes, but... 
I mean, I always carry a new one to put in the customer's game. And then I take their old one, throw yep. a new LED in it, and then you've got another one. You said Metallica? Yep, Metallica. It's not listed uh, in the compatible the compatibility. We have to update that. Yeah, we need to look at that one. That's an important <laughs> one. <laughs> See, we're working. You got us working now, Matt. I, I always <laughs> reference the manual. Now, you're probably wondering, Matt, why did you buy the coil? We'll give one more test here for Kyle's knowledge. Now, I also oh. bought some other part. You, we know it's Metallica. We know the board set in this game, and he has. What do you think, Kyle? What do you think is the the other issue with this particular Metallica? <laughs> well, I'm going to. Well, I don't know. Is the the fifty twenty? Is that a flipper coil? Uh, yes, yes. Yeah, is. I mean, did did you did you have a locked on MOSFET? Oh boy! Did you burn? He's, out? he's already got it. He's yeah, already, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> That's already, they figured out everything. That was, that's a, amazing. It's, yep. you know, just, we, when pinball machines break all the time, you start to learn those, uh, those patterns, the patterns, yeah. right? You know? Yeah. 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 It's a, so you, what, you've got some IRL 540s, I hope. I did. Okay, yeah. good. Cause if you use the 13 and 10 P whatever, that's, you don't want to use that anymore. Just use the IRL 540. It's rated the- for more. The more amperage version, yeah, yeah, it's yeah, hardy. I, I did, I, I did, I did my research. I, I should have just. I, I'm just going to start calling and talking to you two. This is what we're doing. When I'm ordering parts. <laughs> yeah. Get Crystal. Stop what you're doing. Get Crystal in the room. Get Kyle in the room. And, yeah. uh, <laughs> Tell us you need to do another interview. Hey, uh, I want to interview again. <laughs> interview, quote unquote, air quotes. Ordering parts from Marco. All you got to do is call in, and this is the kind of service you're going to get. I promise. Okay. Every time. That was phenomenal. I just made that up on the way home. I was stuck in traffic for a second, and I was like, that was great. Let's see if they can pull this off. I like it. it. (laughs) Um, All right, so let's dip in the rumor pool here just a little bit. We have to. People love it. Okay, all right. So rumored (laughs) titles that potentially could be out there, could be out, and you're saying theme-wise, that's the one, that's the winner. Okay, here we go. So we're uh, possibly Back to the Future, Matrix, Toy Hmm. Story, that's Jersey Jack Stern rumored titles. We we know maybe a Pulp Fiction out there. What do you what do you guys think? Oh, I haven't heard the Pulp Fiction rumor. That yeah, that's I mean, it, who knows? That's a kind of violent theme. I, I would kind yeah. of be surprised, but who knows? You know, pinball's hot right now. You could probably move a thousand of those <laughs> pretty quick. I think that thing has a hard. I think Pulp Fiction makes sense for like a small company game. I don't think any big company would right. make it, but just because it doesn't have. Yeah, it's got two things going against it. It's a theme that's like 30 something years old or, you know, almost 30 something years old and it's violent. So it doesn't have the appeal to a street operator. Personally, I mean, I think Matrix makes sense because there's a new movie. Mm -hmm. I think Toy Story is a neat theme. Huge theme. I think as a yeah, definitely a huge theme. And I definitely think it, it, again, it engrosses a large you know, a large audience. But I think friendly. Yeah, family friendly. But I think man, it's just like, can we, can we get like into the 21st century with like pinball themes? I think that's the thing, man, is like consistently selling nostalgia. And I think that's okay because if you look at the demographics of who's buying stuff, you know, the Toy Story and the Back to the Future, I mean, that all makes sense. And I think those are great themes. I had, I had so many calls in the last year of people who were calling up and buying parts or, you know, like a rubber kit for their Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles game, the new one. And these guys, these were their first pinball machines. And they bought them because of the theme. And they were like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I saw Turtles. I loved it. I played it when I, you know, I watched it when I was a kid, whatever. And that was the draw for them. So theme is, and I mean, people can say it over and over again, theme is a huge draw. And 
I think that Matrix would be great. I think Toy Story would be great. I mean, Back to the Future would also be great. You got you to pick one to put like in a bar, you know. Do you think that if someone were to put the Matrix in transmission next to um, Back to the Future, you think that Back to the Future would earn more? Yeah. Really? I think there's more nostalgia That's to tough. it. I think there is huh. more nostalgia to it. I, I really think The Matrix is cool. And I remember it being just insane or crazy, you know, when that movie came out. Sure. But I still think like, dude, it's like, I remember watching Back to the Future with like my little brother. Yeah. You know, and it's like that, that movie has been passed down on generations. But, I don't know. But the clientele that's at this particular bar are also very younger. Like these are people who have just turned 21, 22. Yeah, and so they might recognize Matrix more. See, now we're getting into yeah, very specific getting, subsets. Maybe, so. we, maybe <laughs> we need to work in marketing. Yeah, <laughs> right. So, yeah, that's an interesting point. If if you guys were going to come up with a theme, like, like you're saying, Kyle and, and Crystal, like, hey, you know, where's the like 21st century stuff? Where's the, where's yeah. the newer thing? What? what what would you pick? What would be the theme Gosh. for that crowd? Oh, well, Kyle's Kyle's theme. Well, he can't. I don't know if he wants me to say it, but I know exactly what Kyle's theme is. Oh, Wait, wow. which one is it? Mm. It's Blade Runner. Oh, yeah. But Blade Runner is it's not 21st century. It's, it's, yeah, it's a I 1960s book, a 1980s yeah. movie. Yeah. You know, maybe the new movie, but that could be a beautiful pinball machine. I guess I think that's the hard thing is like I'm sitting here like complaining. It's like, oh, it'd be cool to have like something more modern. <laughs> I want but... Blade Runner. <laughs> <laughs> Well, but I guess, I mean, here's the thing, right? Mandalorian. We got one. Yeah. That's a very recent, very, very, a very hot title. And that, that it is relevant yeah. to, but it, it spans the people that like Star Wars from the 70s all the way to 2020. Sure. I don't it's know. It's perfect. It's like does everything. I, I don't know, man. That's hard. Because I think Rush is also a neat theme because, dude, there's so much imagery you could take. Personally, I couldn't stand listening to Rush for a ton of time, but, you know. I personally am I'm kind of tired of the rock and roll pinball machines. I, I just it, it kind of just kind of burnt out a little bit. Yeah. It's, it's like, I don't know. If it stopped with Iron Maiden, that would have been a great way to just to yeah. be like, here's the finale. You know, you know, what's crazy about that game is that so many people didn't like that band. I've, I've always loved metal and stuff like that. So I immediately when I saw the machine, I was like, oh, this is great. You know, mm -hmm. I was a little bummed that the premium LE didn't have a great toy. It just, I mean, that's the one knock on that game I could always say, and, and I'm probably going to get killed for it, but it doesn't have, it doesn't have a killer mech. I mean, you look at Godzilla and, you know, Iron Maiden's got the little ball lock, the mummy lock, and then the lift up ramp to start modes. It's like, that is a phenomenal pro machine, but that is one of the most requested games to put out. People, it's now made its, its rounds just within the common like player culture, not even the hardcore crowd, just your casual crowd. And they're like, you know, that Iron Maiden game is friggin' amazing. And yeah. you should, you should put one of those here. And it's like, wow, that game has got legs. Mm -hmm. If you think about it, all four of Keith's games will actually be in production around the same, like you could still get all four of them, yeah, that's which nuts. is crazy. I definitely think that Iron Maiden will be Stern's highest produced game at one point. I just think it, it's definitely one of those future classics I don't know, because I, I do understand why people don't like the music and imagery. I think they're absolutely wrong. You know, if they made, if they made that into the Stranger Things game, right? If it had more of a family-friendly vibe, do you think it would have sold even more? I tell you what, I mean, when we mm -hmm. when I worked at a distributor, I mean, we sold more Star Warses than anything. Yeah. But very, very close behind was Iron Maiden. Mm -hmm. So Wow, that's interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
I might I might take my rock and roll comment back because I think that a Van Halen pinball machine where you can choose a side and you can choose either. <laughs> oh my gosh, David Lee Roth. David Lee Roth, yeah. Roth or Hagar. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> There's no Van Hagar. No, no. <laughs> I need Dennis Creasel here. He could be. He could do this Nordman. Have you Have you heard Dennis's Nordman thing? No. Oh my God. Dennis does this. It's it's he mixes like Christian Bell Batman with Dennis Nordman and it's called <laughs> Nordman. Oh, oh my, that's the, I'm meme. not even going to try. Yeah. That's the theme I want. We're all in love with it over at TPN, but that's what I was. That's the voice that was playing in my mind when I made the Van Hagar comment right then. <laughs> I guess in the parts business with the, you've seen the prices of pinball just skyrocket, go up more and more people coming in the hobby. Ha, has the parts business increased? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Considerably. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Last there's... year was our busiest year to date. Yeah. And going through a pandemic. Yeah. And there's been there's been supply chain issues, so that's kind of caused some you know changes. Yeah, it's been difficult to procure things, but mm-hmm. overall, I mean, it's definitely it's busier. You know, I think the other thing too is you know every pinball game is worth its weight in gold now. So people that you know, the games that I would have turned away five, six, seven years ago are now like extraordinarily sought after. And people are not just pulling games out of garages now, they're pulling them out of barns. And mm-hmm. you need to fix more things than just, you know, the normal wear and tear that you would have got in a garage, you know? Yeah, I think the demand for unique things is really starting to drive up, which is odd to me. It always surprises me what people buy. Yeah. Did you see the prices from that captain's auction? From oh my gosh. Yeah, I don't even want to talk about that. <laughs> yeah. say I, I say, but, yeah. you know, you know uh, after that auction and and what's what's kind of scary is that like some of those games I'm already seeing on pen side. Now they're not shooting to that price, but they are I mean everything is like slightly even more elevated again and like I sold a Whitewater last year like under under 6 like no you know a nice like I'd say above average player game. And I could, I could have gotten like seven for it now. Yeah. Mm. Well, I mean, five, six years ago when I sold all of my WPC games, because people were paying me $3,500 for them, $4,000 for them. And I was laughing my butt to the bank <laughs> because you idiots, ha, I got this game for a thousand dollars. I got this game for $1,200. I'll just buy another one. I'll just wait for the prices to go down. That hasn't happened. <laughs> it's nuts, man. It's uh, But it's good. I'm glad people appreciate this stuff. But, you know, the thing that I do notice, too, and, you know, from the distributor side of things, since Stern and Jersey Jack and, you know, and Spooky, too, they're knocking out hit after great game after great game. And people that only have room for four games and they're not insane, you know, like me and have a lot. Hmm. One has to go. And I've noticed a lot, you know, when I before I started working at Marco, you know, you did start seeing the Whitewaters get traded in or the Theater of Magics or the Adams families because that was the oldest game. They didn't play it as much anymore. They wanted the Iron Maiden. They wanted the Stranger Things, mm-hmm. right? So yeah, they wanted the Black Knight. So you start trading in the older games. And I think, you know, I think supply and demand still affects with that old stuff. But I mean, I've been waiting for the prices to go down. And every time I start, you know, so another person traded in their, you know, theater of magic. I was like, oh, there it is. Mm-hmm. If they're going to start coming down. It's never happened. So I wonder, you know, price increases. Do you, do you think we're inevitably, I mean, I think at this point, maybe we have started really pricing people out of the hobby. I mean, have you guys got that vibe yet? Um... Yeah, I have. I think. And it's, this isn't, you know, this isn't like gatekeeping or like looking down or whatever, but, you know, 
10 years ago, the people that bought pinball games were like weird and nerdy. And mm. not that they aren't weird and nerdy now, but it's a different kind of weird and nerdy just because there are more eyes on it. And that's yeah. fine. That's great. But everyone it, wants a man cave. It's it's like it's like commonplace. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It is. And that's good because you know what? You know, if, if pinball's not in the public eye, it's going to go away. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the more people that are into them and, you know, have them their man cave and then people come over she shed (laughs) and they come over and see pinballs like oh i didn't know that still existed and then they they buy a pinball machine right and the the cycle continues and that's great because this is a weird hobby and a weird industry but there definitely is you know it's crazy um you know the non-working ems cost more than a thousand dollars now right you know it's it's getting to the point where not everyone can climb the hill of ownership but at the same time, the beautiful thing about pinball is if you leave your house and go places, uh, the cost of entry is anywhere from $1 to 50 cents, not 1000 to $10,000. So, you know, that is the that's beautiful a, thing about the, the game, right? And that's that's a great point. That's one reason I wanted to put some games out there. I, you know, I only have so much room at the new spot and I was like, you know what? And these games just keep going up like to buy new. Why don't I put them out there? They'll make a little bit of money and, and people can can enjoy them. And, but now, you know, with the most recent price increase, have you guys talked to any operators that are like, Whoa, like I'm out, you know, the, even the pro price of that, you know, this is getting, this is getting crazy. Cause pinball typically on location doesn't make as much as like, you know, some of your other uh, games like redemption games or maybe arcade games like that. I haven't talked to any, any operators that have had that express thought, but there's definitely been some people who have been collecting for a while who have, who've been like, oh man, these prices are, are getting, you know, just guys who've bought machines from us before from, from either from shows or where, wherever. And, and they're saying, I, I can't, I can't do this anymore. It's, it's getting, yeah. it's getting too much. But yeah. um, as far as operators are concerned, I haven't heard any kind of feedback from, from them. All my friends that operate games, they're not stopping. Mm. But okay, so when I said that people are being priced out of the market, I think that's what I just said earlier. That speaks more to the used market. I think pinball has needed a price increase for a long time and not just the $50 or $100 Stern has been doing here and there because this stuff, this is expensive. That being said, you know, some, some of my friends that operate games, they might buy two pros and a premium. Now that is a that is multitudes more expensive than it was two years ago. Uh, and maybe those orders might just be for one premium and a pro or two pros. And But I don't know. I mean, we'll see. I think the thing is, is Stern's making great games and the games are going to speak for themselves. And people, the, the market will decide if the price is too much, you know? Yeah. Kind of crushed me because I, I've always been a premium guy on most games. I mean, there's definitely some arguments on on some of the games where, I was I was a pro buyer. Now with Jersey Jack, you know, you, <laughs> yeah. you, you almost yeah. had to get the LE on some of them, but there again, that's a different story. The but with the the most recent, you know, premiums at nine K, I was like, man, how do I put this out on location? You know, hmm. at that at that price point. It's like you almost I'm forced into pro, you know, routing, which was always the intended, you know, but yeah. I'm just the kind of person I was like, ah, screw it. I'll just spend the extra because I like the bells and whistles and I'll play it and and then other people get to play it too. But yeah, it, it makes it difficult when they that that next jump. I know the gap between them is the same still, really, but it's you know you've you've entered a new price territory. Something something else to consider, and I'm sure this argument has been made, and I mean I kind of touched on it earlier, is that the price of everything is going up right now. I know, <laughs> like oh, yeah. inflation is just it's just a thing that happens. 
I know that this is, it seems excessive, especially for, for those of us who have been in the hobby for so long, but sometimes it's just the way it is, especially the the way the last two years have gone. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, you you could look at a can of spam and it's like, yeah, it's like <laughs> yeah. spam's 350. Oh my God. Well, I mean, it's I like remember, dumpster meat. I remember when I was a kid, like with a dollar, I could buy a candy bar or I could go to the, candy. you know, I could go ride my bike to the movie theater and play theater magic for twice, right? For the yeah. same amount of money. And I mean, you can't buy a candy bar for a dollar anymore. And I think that's something, you know, when price hikes and pinball have traditionally happened, right? When, when, when things would get a teeny bit more expensive, the price of the game would sometimes get more expensive as well. And I feel like, you know, I, I hate this as a player because I want to play more. Mm-hmm. But I, I mean, I also wonder, it's like, is it time to raise the price of pinball? Oh, that's see, that's I'm battling that. Yeah. Well, it's hard, man. But you know, yeah. that's the thing is like you operate games. I operate old games. You're you're operating some new stuff that you've put down some serious cash on, and your the, the the time to recoup that cash it, it takes a long time at a dollar a game. And I mean, I'll be honest, right? I don't want to put eight quarters into a game. I don't <laughs> want to put two dollar bills into a game. And you don't want to install bill ins- bill, bill acceptors. Yeah, I mean, I've, got just... them, I've got them on mine, and and I'm actually I'm I'm like way cheap on what I'm charging because I'm trying to you know build this location up. It's a, oh, it's a new sure. spot. No, that's great. Um, and the thing is too is like a lot. If, as long as you're okay with putting up with the maintenance, you're still going to capture that dollar. You know, if you're doing your games at fifty cents, I mean you're probably still going to get the same dollar. You're just going to have the game get played twice. Exactly. Um, so, and if that doesn't bother you, then who cares, right? Mm. I'm, I mean, I've had EMs at 25 cents that earned the same amount of money as games at 50 cents or 75 cents sometimes just because that's, that's cool. yeah. it's the cheapest game, you know? So Right. That's a good point. Yeah, but yeah, stick, sticking $2 in, I, I think for casual players mentally is just going to be like an explosion because – yeah, I did a little bit of research kind of at the location before I really kind of we kicked it off and the casual fans were coming in and they were like, you know, at 50 cents, it's like, I want to sit here and keep playing it at a dollar. I feel like I'm going to put a buck in. I'm going to get destroyed. I'm going to walk away. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I think that's definitely there's a mental hurdle to that. There's something about EMs and early solid states that's also just uh, incredibly like it's easier to be like just one more game and not just because of the price, but because it's I don't know, it's so rinse and repeat and meditative mm-hmm. and and fun. And sometimes the newer games, I, I hate to say it, but but the rules depth is just too it's too much. And like you said, it can get frustrating <laughs> and it's not fun sometimes. You know, I love that. Um kind of a player that that likes to get into the deeper games that have super sure. crazy deep code and stuff. But there is something like a game like Taxi or like mm-hmm. um you know um what stars. World, yeah stars or mm-hmm. yeah you know whirlwind or like some of those really awesome uh early games that they were really prime for location. I mean that kind of gameplay is like really fun, quick and and well, it's, you're kind of on your way. Yeah because but also you have to think about, you know, historically what was that game supposed to do? Some dude bought it for 4 grand, he plopped it down somewhere and it was supposed to pay itself off 50 cents at a time. Mm-hmm. Now the pinball market is vastly different than it was in 1988, right? And or even the 90s. So people are plopping down 5 to $10,000 for essentially a toy to put in their living room and 
if you pay $10,000 for a whirlwind and set that in your living room, you're going to get really bored, Bored, right? All of those games are really shallow. They're really, you know, they, they, they have a completion point. I think, you know, the deep code comes from like a, a very passionate player base, but also, Mm -hmm. you know, stern very quickly realizing that games are going into homes. And if you have something in your house, you're going to get real good at it. And if there is not depth or different ways to progress, it's going to get stale. And so I think, you know, there's something beautiful about it. I think the thing to me, again, as someone who doesn't care to like learn all of the rules, having a game that is easy to approach, but also still satisfying. And that's, that's just a hard, like double medium to hit, you know, you can't knock that out. If, cause if so, every game would be a home run. Right. And that's difficult. So. Maybe TNA would be the answer for that. But it's were... not. It's not, though, man. I put TNA on in a few locations, and it's a terrible earning game. <laughs> oh, no. Well, yeah. not because it's a bad game. It's just it doesn't communicate to you what you need to do yeah. unless you like read the rule cards or something like or that. Or if you're playing with someone who can can guide you through it. Yeah. yeah. And it's extraordinarily brutal. It's really fast. And you end up playing a game that's like a minute. 20 seconds long and three balls and you're like yeah i'm not putting money in that again (laughs) see it was the opposite with me i was like whoa that just kicked my butt i want to do it again yep what older game would you guys say is like this is the perfect like location older game location older game probably adam's family oh yeah people do love that but i (laughs) like let's go further back further back simple easy to approach you don't you know you just know what to do well, I'm biased. My my answer is always taxi, and that's just because of my. <laughs> yeah, but that's a good one, though. It's so easy to explain. Yeah, it's so yeah. straightforward. There's a reason they sold so the people many. up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've, I had think... that, I've had that twice. I should have kept the last one. Dang I, you should have. You never sell How taxi. How dare you? How do you sell any pinball oh my game? Gosh. First off, <laughs> um, <laughs> there's so much. I have to sell them to buy. <laughs> the. Uh... Man, I really like drop target games. Um, yeah. I had a, Spinner a games. Gottlieb Jack in the Box on location for a really long time. And that was like the cult favorite at League Night and like for regular players. Because you step up to that game, you see 10 drop targets in front of you. You know exactly what you need to do. Same with Meteor. Same with Meteor. There's yeah. a ton of targets. Just knock them down, right? Yep. Rip the spinner. Rip the spinner. Rip the spinner. <laughs> But I don't know, I get, you know, games like High Speed and uh, Whirlwind, I mean, those are killer all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, yeah, I, even, I even think Getaway is is really good at that. It's mm-hmm. like High Speed 2, you know, it's like people get to see the supercharger. That's fun. You're running from the cops. That's pretty much it. It's like, <laughs> you know, it's a pretty basic <laughs> game, but it's a lot of fun. I think that Getaway might be the number one game that we get calls from customers about. I, I I feel like I answer more calls and emails about people with getaway than uh, than anybody else. Yeah, I don't know why or or what that is, or maybe it's just an old dude thing. <laughs> All of you. Yeah, well, they sold a ton of those too. You know, so uh, no. yeah, that's funny. So if if you guys each had to pick one newer modern era Stern game, Jersey Jack, what what would it be? You could have any of them free of charge. Put them in your house. Deadpool. Deadpool. Yeah. To put in the house, man. Deadpool. Uh, I think. Oh, Crystal, uh, here, we're going to do this. Okay, um, if I had to choose one game to bring home, it would probably be Iron Maiden. Mm-hmm. Just because it is so, it's such a perfect choreographed game. Mm. I just wouldn't get tired of playing it. Um, even even without, you know, a, a toy on the premium, still, doesn't it's just bother a perfect me. basic, just, yeah. It really captures, it really captures like, you know, perfection in pinball. Every sound is right. Every shot is good. Every call out is good. 
and it really rewards you. It makes you feel good for playing the game, hmm. uh, you know. And I think also something I particularly like about Iron Maiden is how it explains to you to play the game in like straight English. Is this something you guys have ever noticed, or have I ranted to you about this? Where on some games it's like shoot the orbit. You know, if I had my mom or my brother come play, she wouldn't know what the heck an orbit is. See, but- it was the opposite with me. I didn't understand what the uh, the tomb was or where the, like, it, it wasn't straightforward for me. Because I was yeah, like, I it- don't know what the tomb is. I don't know what the sarcophagus is. Some of those are weird, but I like the thing where it's like, shoot the left ramp, shoot the oh, right yeah, ramp, shoot yeah, up the is, middle, right? Like that. It's really helpful for mo- new players, you know? Like Shaq. Shoot the basket. <laughs> shoot the spinner. Thanks, Shaq. Uh, yeah. <laughs> It what about one another maiden? I, I really, there's something about Jurassic Park. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I like the theme of Maiden better, which is like I know everybody's gonna like blasphemy, you know. But <laughs> Jurassic Park to me was it just never was like my favorite film. But every time I play that, like I had a, I had, I've had an, a Maiden Pro, and I actually had a Jurassic Park Premium, and the T Rex kind of slows it down, grabbing the ball, and I, I kind of mm. got, I got to the point where I was kind of like it's wonderful. Like when people first do it, you know, it's, Oh, that's so cool. You know, he throws it. And then I really like the Raptor pin that uh, extra piece on the premium, but that pro is such a great shooting game. Now you you make a good point, Kyle, with the, you know, maiden, they're not being a bad shot. Some people would argue the O shot on Jurassic is a little aggravating, but I actually kind of like it. Which one is that? Is that the impossible to hit one? Yeah. It's like the orbit, like the far right kind of, yeah, it's the one everybody hates, but I, I don't know. Like, I got dialed in on mine, and I I could, you know, if I was having a good day, I could I could really hit it. So I, I don't. If I had to pick one, though, you guys are probably going to laugh at me, but um, it's it's not the best. It's not the most like crazy great Elwin kind of unique layout, <laughs> but Elvira's House of Horrors. I think if it's just a fun game, like it's that, that house mech's cool. The crypt's cool. I don't disagree. I think that's a great choice. (laughs) Yeah. As of right now, I think if I was going to pick one to to have permanently from like a modern era of Stern, Jersey Jack, anything. Crystal's laughing though. That's, that's fine. But I like old crappy horror movies and and I've, I've advocated for that thing forever. So I think that my, my only problem is, is we had that in the office when it first came out and I played the bejesus out of it. And by the time it was gone, I was like, I'm done with that game. Like mm. I, I had, I had, it had run its, its course for me. Yeah, so. it's, it's true. Yeah. yeah. But, but I, I love, I love those old crappy movies. Like I, I see. Well, and that was one of my favorite things about it. And honestly, I think out of all of the Elvira games, it's probably my favorite Elvira game. Um, I think it's the best. Yeah. yeah. I like scared stiff a lot, but uh, the, the newest one was definitely like the call outs were really adorable and fun and goofy. And yeah. I, I would have to agree with you as far as like theme is concerned. It, it's, it was really well done. Probably underrated. Yeah, my only complaint is that, it, and I know a lot of tournament people will say this, but it's a it's a little too easy. Like you know, you can have some like crazy long ball times on it and stuff. But yeah, that'd probably be the one I think. And it's- look, it's like my favorite, one of my favorite Stern games of all time is Deadpool, and that is an old designer, George. Mm-hmm. And a new person at Code, my friend Tanya. Yep. <laughs> um, yeah. It's yeah. like, it, you know, that was like, that was out of left field. That game is absolutely brilliant. And the only reason I didn't say Deadpool like Crystal did for the only game at home is because that's yeah, the only new one. Stern game I own. I love Deadpool yeah. so much. Yeah. <laughs> so it's such a good game. Deadpool. I mean, this thing. Dude, like, it's perfect. Le- it's so it, fun. It's got so much legs. And I don't know what it was when it first came out. It just didn't. 
register with me. And, and uh, part of the problem is, is a lot of operators, sorry guys, you suck at leveling and pitching your game. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and that game is really particular about yep. that. Um, you know, with the snick shot and all that stuff. Yeah. And I've, I've recently played one that was set up really well. And I was like, Oh, okay. Like, honestly, I, I, this. I would love to see more Gomez games, but I'm also a Gomez fangirl. So <laughs> <laughs> like I'm once again, I'm biased. Um, I, I think Corvette's really underrated. I had one I for agree. a little bit. I was just babysitting. That game is awesome. It's, I mean, it's, it's kind of quirky, you know, the orbits wide open. You can hit these like crazy fast orbit shots. It's a great uh, game. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I, I agree. I love I love Georgia's stuff. I think that I, I think that Deadpool's really great just because it's so approachable. I mean, look, I'll be honest. I, I've never seen any of the Deadpool movies. I've never read any Deadpool comics. I barely have a grasp on who this person is as a character, but that game mm-hmm. is so enjoyable to me from Again, I'll use the word choreography again. It's perfect. Uh, it, it's really easy to progress through. It's It, it communicates that very well, mm-hmm. even though it doesn't use voice. Uh, so new players step up to it and kind of get it, right? Because yep. when they nail those drop targets and the little bobblehead starts moving, you get a multi-ball. Yep. So uh, the game flows great. It's just, it's really, it's perfect. And I, when, when Stern did Iron Maiden, I said, that's it. Like, they're never going to make a game better than this. And mm-hmm. then a few months later, I, we opened up Deadpool and I was like, okay, I'm wrong. <laughs> so... It's um, I don't know. I really don't know, but it's one of those perfect games. Again, you know, they're, the, they're... the satisfaction of the shots is one of the things that's huge for me. Like the the lock shot, mm-hmm. if the game's set up right, like Matt said, um, even like the left spinner, like that disco spinner, it's really yeah. it's like mm-hmm. it's so satisfying every time you hit it. And the orbits I... are so fast, and when yep. you combo them, it's just like it's it really... makes again it makes you feel like you're just some pinball master, even mm-hmm. though I'm just some schmo hitting the flippers it is an interesting layout especially you know you're right there is some some very like shots you would never get tired of hitting and and one is the long way to the katana like mm-hmm. when you do the super skill shot or whatever yeah and it it whips the around you're like targets. oh my yeah. gosh that thing's amazing yeah. so yeah i could definitely see the the love affair there and and it, what's funny is a guy offered he was wanting to get rid of his uh, Jurassic Pro, and he knew I was putting some games out, and because he's getting a Godzilla, and I was like, "Oh, hey, you got a Deadpool?" Like it was a pro, and I was like, "Hey, you want to sell that one too, or you want to sell that?" And he was like, "No, it's bolted, dude." Yeah, and I'm like, <laughs> "What is with Deadpool, man? Like, people love this game. I, I, I got to give it some more time." Yeah. Hey, come on down. Yeah. I've got one that you can come play at the arcade. I yeah. owe you some beers, anyways. And you could come to the studio. <laughs> yeah, the you studio. Can, yeah, the Marco Studio. Yeah. My gosh, they'll let me in there. Oh, yeah. man, I'll, I'll sneak into the warehouse. I'll find all kinds of crazy stuff back there. I remember yeah. I ordered a part one time, um, and it was still in the WMS bag. I was like, holy crap, mm-hmm. they still have stuff from that era? That's amazing. It's funny. We've got a chicken right now. Oh, yeah. The WMS chicken? <laughs> no. Yeah, William says cows. We've got chickens. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. No, we actually have a rooster in the parking lot. You know, it's just trying to fit all of the uh, South Carolina stereotypes that we can. Um, <laughs> No. Um, uh, yeah, you guys are uh, a bit away from home <laughs> in the south, so I'm from here. It's it's all normal to me at this point. There's no, you know, you could you could have a guy riding that chicken eating a liver mush sandwich. I'd be like totally normal. It's a, that's that's a Tuesday back yeah. home. Just welcome welcome to South Carolina. Welcome to Red Bank. Yeah. Um, so I can, going back, I, I I was thinking about this while we were talking, but you said something about golden age in pinball, mm. and. I think it's hard to recognize when you're in a golden age, right? Because you need the hindsight. 
But I, I think I, I would say yes, because we are getting so many games right now. If we take like the pinball snobbery side out of it, like <laughs> all of these games are pretty damn good. Yeah, the- absolutely. Yeah, I tell people that all the time. I was like, there's really not a dog in the bunch. I mean, there's not, you know, a bad game. In there's, the grouping. Some games are better than others. Some games appeal to other people more than others. But look, like for the past five years, we've been getting killer pinball machine after killer pinball machine. Not only from Stern, Mm -hmm. but we've gotten great games from Jersey Jack. We've had an incredible maturing of games from Spooky. We've got all sorts of other people coming out of the woodwork, putting games out here and there. I mean, look, it's like, I mean, have you ever played, have you either of you ever played Full Throttle or Alien? Yeah, yeah, actually, I I, I played the new version, the the most recent Alien release. Yeah, I haven't played the new one, but I mean, look, for all of its problems, like that's a cool I'm sorry. I'm trying not to swear. That's a really <laughs> cool game. Uh, and Full Throttle was also a really neat game, right? Yeah. Like there's there, not only are we going through a period of like, like just building pinball machines because that's how our company makes money. They're also innovating a lot, mm-hmm. right? Jersey Jack put a TV in their pinball machine, right? Like then Stern did. And now, you know, RGB lighting is the norm. We're getting brighter games with built-in you know, the spotlight systems, we're getting, you know, mobile connections to pinball machines. I mean, not only that, but like companies that are smaller are doing well enough where they're able to progress and um, like, like you said, innovate and and improve their manufacturing, like Spooky is a good example of that. Mm-hmm. Like Jersey Jack's team has grown and they're coming up with new ways to make layouts. Like you're absolutely right. Yeah. I, I think it's like, it's hard to say again, it's like, in 100 AD, did the Romans know that they were at the right. height of their power and like the perfection of what they had going for them? Well, no, they were just doing it. But it's like, I definitely think if, you know, if we think about, you know, what Williams heyday, I mean, they've had few heydays, but like with Adam's family selling 20,000 units, you know, Stern's not selling 20,000 units of one game, but they're selling a lot of them to continue pushing out four to five games a, a year, year yeah. just from one company. I mean, I don't know what else could signify a golden age other than right. this, you yeah. know? Yeah. Yeah. It almost seems like we're, we're kind of the cost increased, but it, it looks like Godzilla, the bomb has oh been raised. God. Yeah. I mean, that has to be the, that may be the most packed Stern game that I've seen in forever. I mean, I, I can't think of another one. Simpsons had a lot in it back in the day. Maybe, you know, Lord of the Rings had an okay amount, but I mean, this thing is jam packed and I, I would even, you know, I've kind of neglected Jersey Jack a bit in this, uh, this podcast. Sorry, Ken. Um, but, uh, you know, their, their games are typically super, you know, they have more in them. The bombs higher, the cost is higher to buy them. Mm-hmm. Um, I would never operate one personally cause they're just so, ex- you know, they're just so expensive. It, to me, it's more of a homeowner game, but I, God bless the guys out there that are doing it. Cause I love playing them. What do you think? Do you think Stern is start trying to close the gap between them and Jersey Jack as far as what's packed in a game? Or do you think this is like a one-off because maybe Godzilla wasn't as much of an expensive license that they were able to put more in the game? What hmm. do you think? I don't know. I mean, I think that there is definitely competition is good, right? Because mm-hmm. if if Jersey Jack didn't raise the bar to put the TV into wizard of Oz, we would still probably be having dot matrix games. Mm. Maybe. I, mean, I don't know. You know, You're probably right. But yeah. you know, again, the, the friendly competition between both of those companies have just continued again, producing this golden era of pinball machine. Um, I, I, I don't know. I, I guess like I'd like to be hopeful and think that the bill of materials will continue to be huge for the next upcoming games. But 
I mean, we also have to give credit to Keith for designing great game after great game after great game and them entrusting him to, you know, have a higher bill of material and, but also make something work. And I feel like he's used every inch of that freaking play field to do yeah. something with. Right. I mean, what do you yeah. think, Crystal? Yeah, uh, absolutely. I, I don't know. <laughs> she, she agrees. Uh, yeah. Maybe. <laughs> No, I mean, you know, even the vacuum form parts of the buildings in the back, that's, that's really an expensive thing to do. Yeah. Um, it's yeah. not it's got a lot, it's got a lot of it. And there's multiple you know, motors I, in that game. I mean, I'm excited to talk to the engineers and figure out, you know, I mean, look at how many unique assemblies are in that game. Right. You know, cause it's not cheap to drop yeah. new things and then have them sent to the line. It honestly, it still kind of surprises me because I remember a time maybe like when Ghostbusters came out where, um, that particular designer um, was was limited on what he was allowed to put into the game. And there was a lot mm-hmm. of mechs that were were cut from that game. And um, I think that really is, is very different from what we're looking at right now, because they, they know how Keith, how good Keith is. And, and they're giving him, as far as I know, a lot of license. Yeah. 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 And I also my ears perked a bit when I saw you guys do the uh, the live stream with Brian Eddy and Tom Capera on Mandalorian mm-hmm. because, um, you know, Tom was a contract engineer and now they've brought him in house as like lead and mechanical. Yeah. And it, that upper play field, when I saw it, I was like, Whoa, like hmm. that wasn't, that wasn't cheap. Yeah. And then we see, then we see Keith's game and it's got, you know, a lot of stuff in it. And uh, I, I like Mandalorian a lot. I think it shoots great and it's a fun game, but it's like, okay, we've had two in a row that had some, you know, pretty killer mechs in it, you know, it seems like we're ramping up here. I'm going to be super disappointed if Borg's game is next and there's not like something amazing in the game, you know, <laughs> not like, like a four level are... play field. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, I, my expectations are really high now. <laughs> so if, if we get like a, I don't, I don't want to say, well, I'm going to say it, a Led Zeppelin. If I get another Led Zeppelin, I'm not going to be too happy here, Stern, you know? Yeah. That game, I really enjoy Led Zeppelin as an experiential game. You know, you crank it up and man, the light shows incredible and the way that the modes react to the way that the song is playing and stuff. I mean, there's some really cool stuff going on in that game, but I think it's again, I think that game makes a great location game, but that just doesn't have the legs to maybe stay, you know, in your house or collection or something like that. And, you know, again, I Stern has to design games for different people. Mm-hmm. You know, if sure. they were just making games for us to go crazy over, they wouldn't make any money. Yeah. So I definitely see, you know. Rush being something that could be. Yeah. Rush might speak to a very small segment of the population, but it, we'll see. You know, I yeah. don't know. I think. I just, yeah. I, I mean, you, you look at the premium version of Zeppelin and like, I know that Electric Magic mech mm. was expensive. I mean, it's a big piece. Yeah. But like compare that to Godzilla and like that's yep. the I, I feel like that's the same as like the building mech cost and I'm like well, then I get a bridge that breaks <sighs> and I got a I got a um, you know mega Godzilla with a magnet in his belly I'm like yeah where's my mega Godzilla and let you know it's like it just feels like at least one other thing was missing from Zeppelin and I know that license probably wasn't cheap but yeah it's it's they've set a precedence I think with Mando and Godzilla that you know if Rush were, were the next game or Back to the Future or whatever that it's like, we, I feel like we can't go back now, guys. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, we, yeah, you've crossed the point of no return. <laughs> yeah. Which is scary. Cause you know, for years people were always like, Oh, stern. Like when, you know, you're never going to have that like Williams level magic of mechs. And it's like, okay guys, well, yeah. you got it. Like, no, I, I definitely think Stern's achieved that Williams level of choreography. Like, 
you know, that, that thing that we've always been chasing where the lights do just the right thing when you hit the saucer, the, you know, the, the perfect soundbite hits when you really nail that ramp. I think we've achieved that level. And maybe that is through Stern bringing in some really heavy hitting, you know, old timers, or that's those old timers also teaching the newcomers, right, on how to make that sort of magic. Because like I said earlier, it's like if you could quantify the perfect choreography and magic and pinball every time, there would be no such thing as a flop and every game would be perfect. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, we, we know that some are, you know, a little better than others in certain ways, but I definitely think. I mean, maybe that entails or, you know, helps push along that golden age thing, right? Like, sure. We've hit that run again. What do you guys think in closing? If you want to talk about all sorts of weird stuff, not just pinball repair, but if you also wanted to uh, tighten your chops and learn a little bit about fixing pinball machines, it'd be awesome if you would join us. Um, and Thursdays, 3 p.m., Twitch TV slash Marco Pinball, I think, is our Twitch channel. Um, it's also on YouTube and Facebook, but come and join if you want to learn. Um, I always appreciate having new people show up, and when they tell me I may have taught them something, it makes me continue wanting to do it. Um, and that is Eastern Standard Time. Yes, Eastern Standard Time. <laughs> Fun things at Marco, I'm consistently trying to get new parts made. Um, this is an audience that I've never spoken to. So if you have parts that you want to get made, please reach out to me and let me know. There, there are things that are easier to do than others, but I am always trying to keep my ear on the ground of what people want. Maybe you could put my contact information in the you know show notes or something. I don't know if it's okay sure. for me to give my email out, but it's just Kyle at MarcoPinball.com. That's how you can spam me. There um, you go. Anyways, sorry if that was too much self-promotion. No, it's good. No, no. Also, yeah, I'll echo that. The, you guys got to watch Pentec Live. It's frigging awesome. I mean, I've been fixing my games for years now, and I've, I've learned something every single episode I watch. Crystal? Um, I mean, you can call me, ask me questions about parts. That's what I'm there for. Uh, you know, even if you want to call and place an order, like we, we do like to encourage people to, to make orders online just because it's, you know, self-guided and but uh, it's also nice to hear from customers and to place orders for them. So you can always do that. Awesome. Yeah, we just love pinball. Yeah. Um, it's, it's great. It's an awesome game. Every pinball game is awesome, except for Chicago Coins Dolphin. And <laughs> Very specific. <laughs> yeah. Every game's awesome. You out, <laughs> and enjoy everything you own and cherish it because they are special and you are also special for keeping them out of garbage oh, cans. So. That's so nice, Kyle. Kyle, I'm going to drag you to an old operator that pushed a bunch of games in the back of a bar and I'm going to have you give him that speech and maybe he'll have a single tier, like like garbage commercial where you're littering Oh, <laughs> and you, you will fall his frozen heart and finally sell me the shadow that is in bondage in the back of that bar oh that I, I want to fix up. Hey, I'm here so. to emotionally manipulate this operator guy. Don't okay. worry. I got you, man. <laughs> I've, I've offered ridiculous sums of money just because it breaks. Uh, isn't that insane? If it like some people like, uh, you know, you know, animals or some other type of calls, I'm like that poor machine in the back of the bar. It could be moist back there for God's sakes. What are oh you doing? Yeah. Dude, we should definitely go to Asheville on a weekend and drink some beers with Matt. Yeah, absolutely. Play pinball. We got it. Yeah. Definitely come up, hang out. Thanks again, guys. Thanks, Sounds dude. good. Thanks, Matt. Okay, I think that'll do it for this episode. Huge shout out to Crystal Gimnick and Kyle Spiteri. And a big, big thank you to the entire Marco family. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. See you next time. <laughs>